what type of training split was most productive for me 15 years ago versus now? And also, what are the biggest differences overall? This was a great question by Bold Omni Man, Paris Butler, who asked me this on last month's Q&A. And I thought it was such a good question that rather than answer it on a Q&A video, I would create a whole video about it. In fact, it was a really clever question because it's not just about what worked best at that stage of development back then. It's also a bit about what worked best at different phases of my life relative to the previous phase. Because sometimes the best routine isn't just what you're on right now, but it's also a result of what you did prior to arriving at that routine. So it's a very clever question and I want to do it justice. So I've divided my training life up into about five different sections. And I'm gonna just briefly talk you through those sections. And in doing so, we'll discover a bit about what worked best at the level of development I was at and how it relates to the bigger picture, which is really important. The second bit is very important. So let's get started with the early days. This was when I began back in 2000, right? Seems like yesterday. Essentially though, I was quite lucky because my start in training was actually pretty decent. You know, I, unlike a lot of people on the internet these days, I actually got a very good start. And I happened upon some reading material, which meant that I was in the gym with a focus on the basics. A few of the things that I did really good at the time were things like progressive overload. I really focused on progressing my bandages. I really focused on the logbook. It was great. So in terms of what I did, I did a really basic routine for those first couple of years. And it was an upper lower, which I would train three times a week, no more than three times, sometimes twice. And I would alternate it in an AB fashion. It was around about two sets per exercise and just working as hard as possible. There was no discussion about RAR and all that stuff. This was back in the day when I was just a, I went to the gym, I was a 20 kilo bencher. I benched the bar. It was that week when I first started. And so this was those first couple of years. And this is what the routine looked like. Just a basic upper lower. I would do something like a bench row and a press on upper body day. Occasionally I would switch that out for a dip, a chin and a press covering all the major body parts, all the major areas. And the lower body day would be a squat and a deadlift and some abs and calves. And occasionally I wouldn't do a deadlift, I would do a rack pull. And when I say occasionally switching these things in and out, it wasn't on a pre-planned weekly basis. I didn't have a rotation. Just for a few months, I might take out the bench. I wasn't a very good bencher, so I might do dips. And then alongside the dips, I might do chins. I didn't really like rowing, it didn't make much sense to me. So I did a lot of dips and chins and benches. And same with the lower body. Most of the time I did squat, but whether I did a full deadlift or a rack pull afterwards was really depending on what took my interest at the time. But I, the good thing is I did generally stick to things quite a lot. So saying that, some pros and cons. Now, at the time, some of the positives were my poundages were rapidly improving because that's really all I focused on. I trained every body part probably once every five days and all I had to focus on was just six sets. Pretty much, that's it. Two presses, two pulls, two overheads really facilitated this growth was I bulked heavily. So by the end of those first two years, because I was so poundage focused, because I bulked, because I kept a logbook, because I was all about improving and I was a ranked beginner, I gained massively. By the end of those couple of years, I was benching about 90 kilos, which is about 200 pounds, squatting about 150, which is about 330 pounds. 
and deadlifting 220, which is almost 500 pounds. So that was huge for my progress. And I would say by the end of that phase, I had gained probably 20 pounds of pure muscle because that's what I needed to do back then. Like as a rank beginner, getting my first taste of the gym experience, I didn't know about optimal volume. I didn't know about, I didn't know about any of that kind of stuff. All I knew was hard, heavy, slag, iron basics. And that's what I did. I used to ask the guys in the gym, hey, what do you think of my routine? And they were all like, this kid's got it. This kid understands. We don't know how he understands, but he understands. So that was great. I suppose the only downside was that I bulked probably a little bit too much, but that was more down to me as a person because I was already a fatty. I don't necessarily think it was the routine or the focus. I could have had better, basically. And I did have people telling me I should have had better. I had mentors back even back then. But that first phase of my training life, the first two years, I rapidly accelerated past the beginner phase and was advanced in some areas. So that was the first phase. And I think if that, just to go back to that phase a second, if that phase taught me anything, it's beginners don't need much, okay? They need to be very focused on progression and they do need to gain. You're not going to magic muscle out of nowhere. It's a very surefire way of progressing. And also I'll, I'll say this, during those two couple of years, I didn't deload once. I didn't even know what a deload was and that came later. So if you're at the stage now and maybe you've been there for a few years, take a glimpse of what I did. I raced through that phase and I raced through it with heavy bulks, massive focus on progressive overload. I did have powerlifting as a focus. I was a competitive powerlifter even back then. I had already, at this stage, I had already competed in four, no, three competitions, two in 2000, oh no, four competitions, two in 2000, one in 2001, one in 2002. So I had a focus, okay? I had, never mind powerlifting. Yours, your focus could be bodybuilding, whatever it is. But the focus, I was driven is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't matter what the focus is. I was focused. Whether your focus is powerlifting, bodybuilding, or just general aesthetics, I had a focus. I was focused. I took it seriously. I didn't have all the answers, but I got the job done. So the next phase was 2002, 2006. And this phase was characterized by me hitting a massive wall, mostly on the bench and the squat and needing a change. So at this stage, I gradually morphed into a more complete upper lower. And I guess nowadays what would be termed something like a power building approach or what sometimes is referred to around the world as a American powerlifting setup. And that is your very typical setup, which was bench on one day, squat on the next, third day, which was press and bench assistance, and the final day, which was a deadlift. So pretty much once, maybe twice a week frequency for the lifts. But at this point, this is when I really introduced some fatigue management and also much higher volumes. And what I mean by fatigue management is deloads. This is when I began to need deloads because the level of volume that I needed to do to I every time I've talked about deloads and I've given my own experience it's always been based on this idea that when I deloaded I needed to do it I'd got to the point where I was running smack into a wall every few weeks and I needed to deload and actually that is what accelerated a massive amount of progress during this phase and listen if you don't like the idea of deloads, this is not a video about deloads. It's more to do with fatigue management. So 
I needed to execute a high amount of volume, high amount of intensity to get the gains I wanted, but that brought about a lot of fatigue. And as a result of that, I needed some type of fatigue management. The fatigue management that I chose was deloading. And in reality, my deloads probably looked a little bit different to what people traditionally think are deloads. It wasn't just time off, it was reduced volume to a certain extent, maybe reduced weight. But my approach back then was still fairly crude. And you got to remember back then, deload weeks or unloading weeks, as we used to call them back then as well, it was a pretty new, I was one of the first guys experimenting with this kind of stuff back then. So that was the 2002-2006 phase. I saw the pros, not very strong with that power building type approach, very strong. I got a lot bigger. And I, at this point, I did start to, in some phases, pay attention to my food intake. And I actually got lean for the very first time in something like 2004. Now, one of the things that was very important to understand about this phase is I needed the higher volume at this phase because of the lower volume phase that I started off with. So I needed to progress my volumes. I trained just as hard in this phase as I did in the previous phase. But because of needing more volume, I needed more deloads and I needed more volume because I needed more than I was doing previously. And this is when I always have these conversations about higher volumes versus lower volumes is I added volume when I needed it, when it was appropriate. And this is something I think gets lost in the shuffle when we're talking about high intensity versus low intensity or high intensity versus high volume, low volume versus high volume. I did more when I needed to do more. And that's what got me the results. So I don't think it's a good default. I don't default to doing super high volumes because that's what the research says. How about you do what you need to do to progress? That's all I was interested in. At the time, there were no conversations about low intensity versus high intensity or high volume versus low volume. No one, at the time, no one knew who Brad Schoenfeld was. It wasn't any of that back then. We just did stuff, right? And I inherently knew, listen, when I stalled, I needed to do more. It's just that when I did more, I burnt out. So then I learned, okay, I've got to now have some fatigue management. Deloads work. Do you see how it's a iterative process? So when somebody turns around and says to me, deloads are crap, I'm just like, it's just, it's a small insight into the larger conversation. The larger conversation is, started off with a minimal amount of volume. It got me quite far. It did. It got me quite far in the, in the first phase, but then I needed to do more. That more came with a lot more fatigue. So I had to include some kind of fatigue management. It's very simple. And this is what worked for me for the majority of that time. By the end of this phase, I'd hit probably about a three plate bench, about a five plate squat and just over a five plate deadlift. So some good pros. Negative was I didn't stay very lean. Okay, so the next phase. The next phase was predicated by an injury that I had. I had a massive grade three hamstring tear. It was nasty. Now, at this stage, I had pretty much given up hopes of competing in powerlifting. The doctor said, look, it's over. So I began my first phase of bodybuilding. And this is where my wizard routine was born in, during these years. So this was typified with full body and extremely high volumes. Now, why did the high volume, high frequency approach work here? I think it worked because up until this point, up until 2006, I was extremely strong and I didn't have the muscle mass to really show for it. I'm just being honest. I didn't really, I looked like I lifted of course, 
but I didn't have the physique with the same level of finesse that I do now or that I did later on or that I did after this phase. So this was a pure aesthetics focus for me. I needed this after the pure power phase. I left the end, I left that last phase with a lot more strength and proportionally less muscle mass. So what this phase did for me was it, it brought that to balance. I did ridiculously high volumes here, lots of bodybuilding style training, lots of very dense training with a lot of repetitions in a short amount of time. And finally, by the end of this phase, I was what I consider to be jacked by anyone's standards, by anyone's natty standards, I was yoked at the end of this phase. So I'm not saying necessarily that you're going to need to do super high volumes to get that way. What I'm saying is for me, and this is why the question by Paris is so clever. What I needed at this phase was to do those high volumes, to build work capacity, to build on the muscular endurance, to build on hypertrophy, because I had so much more strength relative to my muscle mass in the prior phase, because I was always so strength focused. I always did a lot of singles and doubles and triples prior to this phase. During this phase, the lowest the reps got were eight. The highest reps got were 15. So it was all super high repetition, super high volume, super high loads, super high volume, sorry, with slightly less loads. That meant I could capitalize on the strength I'd built over the last phase. This was good for that. In terms of negatives here, I've written here not much, and there really wasn't. There wasn't much in the way of negatives. So I was pretty happy with this phase, and this is where I wrote the wizard book from. Right, next phase was pretty much final phase before now, about 2010 till about 2014. This was peak powerlifting. For me, this was a phase which was typified by brutally hard training, the type of training which I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. It was horrible. And also getting extremely strong. This was essentially very high frequency lifting, three to five times a week per power lift and highly specific full body training. So pretty much every day with squat bench and deadlift. And that was done up to five days a week. I also at this point started to incorporate singles on a regular basis. And that was the overwarms that I did regularly. I very regularly overdid those. So it was very frequent. Really, I was doing max singles as well. I was also at this point using, utilizing my eight, five and three method to my strength over time. Difficult years, but extremely hard on the body. Pros, the negatives here. <laughs> You can see the negatives definitely outweigh the pros. But the pros were I achieved peak strength. I got brutally strong. Do not recommend this approach. I don't think it's worthwhile doing because ultimately you just get injured. The negatives were many. I was riddled with injuries. It was all too frequent, all too heavy. You walk the line as I did. You walk that recovery line and very often you'll fall off. What I should have done is I should have had the foresight to alternate strength training with hypertrophy training. That would have been better. I think one of the key reasons why this phase worked so well is it came off the back of multiple years of pure hypertrophy training. So I'd built an incredible base, which I then took forward into this highly specific training. So again, one of the reasons why this phase worked so well was what phase came before it. It was almost like phase potentiation on a yearly basis rather than just a block basis. So what I should have done is I should have alternated during this phase, maybe six months of hypertrophy training, like six months of the previous phase and six months of this. But 
I was just trying to figure stuff out. And by the time I was really getting into it, I got addicted and, and that was it. I was chasing my end goal and I achieved peak mass there. So in terms of what we can learn from that, I don't think anyone should attempt that kind of training. I think it's, I think it's dangerous. You're probably going to get injured. You will get very strong, but it, it, there is no longevity to that. It gets you stronger faster, but there's no real longevity. You will get injured and potentially will harm your relationship with the weights forever. And the next phase is basically now I'm fully physique focused. I've not done a summary for this phase because I am still in it. I'm still figuring things out. So this is 2014 till 2022, where we are currently. And that I will update later. So some concluding thoughts. Now, one of the reasons why this question by Paris was so clever was it, what worked well for me 15 years ago or in the various phases of what I did, it wasn't just a result of the routine in and of itself. It was the result of consistency because I stuck with these routines for multiple years. Some of you guys out there who are changing routines every week or looking to make improvements every day, take note. These are phases which lasted multiple years. The shortest phase was the beginner phase. Every phase after that lasted at least four years. It was a result of consistency, but also it was a result of the routine being appropriate for where I was at the time. Note when I was a beginner, right up to the point where I was benching a couple hundred pounds, squatting 300, deadlifting almost 500. I did a very, very basic routine, which was literally just an upper lower than three times a week, affording plenty of recovery and plenty of mental headspace. So when I went to the gym, all I really had to do was hit PRs on three different exercises. That's it. Arm work was optional. And I would cheekily add in a couple of sets of arm work every now and again, but that's it. It wasn't on my logbook. I just did it, freestyled it basically. Unga bunga it if I want to reference Paris. So it was what worked well was what was appropriate for me at the time. So as a beginner, that's what I needed. I didn't need anything complicated. I didn't need to talk about, oh, I didn't really need to talk about deloads. I needed heavy, hard iron. Okay. Now, once I had sped and I needed to bulk, once I had sped through that phase, then things started to get more complex. For me to hit a three plate bench, I needed to get more complicated. I need to dial up the thought process that went on. And that's what I did. I started to introduce deloads, fatigue management, various other modalities, and I had to put more thought into my training. And finally, what worked well for me in different stages of training was each phase of training was building upon the previous phase. I didn't know it at the time. At the time when I was doing the wizard training, I thought it was the best thing ever, but really it was the result of what I did prior to that. When I did my high frequency powerlifting and I got stupidly strong, I thought that was just a great way to train. Actuality, I probably gained so well over those few years because of what I did previous to that. And had I just alternated those phases, I would have probably gained better. So this is one of the benefits of hindsight is you can see how your different phases of your life have built upon the previous phase. And that's kind of hopefully what I've outlined here. It's about those three things, consistency, being appropriate for you at the time where you are, and also building upon the previous phase of training. You're not going to always be able to train the same way. There is no best routine. There is no best ever. There is best for you right now. Okay. For you right now, that will change and yours will be different to his and to hers.
and to theirs 10 years from now. Do you understand? You have to, when you hit a wall, you have to evaluate. And so finally, how do we know whether when we've hit a wall, we have to be quantifying our results accurately. The way that I quantified my results accurately was I was a powerlifter. That's how I did it. That was my gauge of success. Now, if you're not a powerlifter, if you actively don't want to be a powerlifter, fine, all good. I have all the love in the world for you, but you better have a way of accurately quantifying your progress. You better, whether it's measurements or whether it's strength increases in different rep ranges, whatever it is, you need to have a way. And that you make changes based on that. Avoid making changes just because you feel like it, you think it'll be a good idea. That's an idiot's way of doing things. That's not what you want to do. That's how you make no progress. I stuck to things for years. I changed things when they needed to be changed, when they needed to be changed. And I understood what was best for me because if it affected my numbers, the bottom line, then it was good. And again, remember finally, what routine works for you is the result of consistency, being appropriate for you at the time, and also building upon the previous phase of training. And you're not going to know much about the last one. You'll know that when you're 20 years down the line, but ensure that you are quantifying your progress accurately. So you know for certain objectively what works, not subjectively because you think it looks cool or you want to try it. I made all the same mistakes as well. What brought me back into line was powerlifting because powerlifting meant I was unbiased by anything. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Maybe I should try jump squats with bands. Didn't work for my total. Sack it off. Don't care. Yeah. Oh, this new technique works. Great. Let me try this new stretching technique. Let me try this. Let me, let me, let me talk about biomechanics for a second. Did it affect my squat? No. Pointless. Okay. Hopefully that video was interesting and it left you with some important lessons. Let me know what you thought, your thoughts, and great. I will call it there. All right. Take care.